Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is the true story of a stay-at-home dad, his high-powered corporate wife, and the 19-year-old au pair living in their home. It seems like a perfect household, but behind closed doors lurks a dangerous fantasy of control and desire. They had to listen to him. They had to respond to him. He was their boss. When a forbidden affair. It was like this perfect recipe for him to indulge in his fantasy. Now he's got this young girl in his thrall. Leads to a horrifically violent murder. If anybody had realized what was going on inside that household, I'm sure they could have figured out that it was all about to explode. Beware. Extreme passion can lead to shocking consequences. It's the fall of 2006. An hour outside of Detroit, the affluent suburb of Washington Township is a picture-perfect haven of tree-lined streets and beautiful homes. Washington Township is a gorgeous town of, you know, subdivisions, big homes, hilly streets. It's the ideal place for an ambitious couple to raise a family. A couple like Stephen and Tara Grant. Stephen and Tara are a power couple. They complemented each other well. At 34 years old, Tara possesses the same magnetic glow she's always had. Tara Grant, from the time she was a little girl, would be easily described as incredibly cute. She had this mess of curly hair that framed her face and a gigantic smile that everybody just knew and uh, could light up a room. It was this vibrant presence that attracted the eye of her husband, Stephen Grant. Stephen Graham was a pretty good-looking guy. He's six-foot-ish, 
brown hair. He kept pretty fit, so he uh, caught some attention for being an attractive guy. Steven seemed to be really outspoken and uh, fun. He was a nice guy. He seemed like he fit in well with the community. To everyone in the neighborhood, Tara and Steven make a good, if somewhat untraditional, match. The success-minded Tara has landed a senior position at a large engineering firm. Tara was absolutely the breadwinner of the family. I think at the time, Stephen was making five, 6000 no more than 10000 a year, and Tara was making at least 10 times that. And Stephen's carved out a complimentary role as a stay-at-home dad for their two kids, occasionally working at his father's tool and die shop. All appearances from him were that he enjoyed his role as a Mr. Mom. Stephen always kept, like, the same even keel about himself. From outside appearances, it's an ideal life. But beneath the public veneer of marital bliss, all is not well in the Grant home. As Tara's career continues to take off, deep-seated resentment begins to boil under the surface, waiting to spill over. I think regardless of what kind of front Stephen put on, he was clearly feeling emasculated behind the doors of his home. I think that maybe her having such a great career maybe didn't sit so well with him. What you had with Stephen and Tara was a traditional marriage turned on its head. She was the breadwinner. She was the person controlling all the strings in the relationship. It takes a very secure man to buy into the Mr. Mom persona. But in the case of Stephen, he really felt emasculated. There's an answer to Stephen's needs. The easiest way to have more authority of his own at home is to become somebody's boss. Stephen wanted help with the children. Even though he didn't have much of a full-time job, he asked Tara to agree to allow for him to get an au pair in the house. An au pair is usually a girl who lives with the family and takes care of the children and becomes almost a part of the family herself in many cases. I don't know if every au pair that comes to America looks like these women did, but the ones in the Grant household were described uniformly as gorgeous. In order for Stephen to hire an au pair, they would have to be very attractive or he wouldn't even look at them. Now Stephen's previously stifling home life becomes an exciting, sexually charged world and one that he's in total control of. Stephen was hiring women, whether it was true or not, that got him to feel like he was a stud. They had to listen to him. They had to respond to him. He was their boss. Stephen had a tendency to tell friends and anybody who would listen that uh, these young women were just infatuated by him. He's worldly and handsome and they all just loved him, or so he thought. One time this, this au pair was up in her bedroom and he was in the backyard. And I remember him telling me that he was standing by a tree and he looked up and one of his au pairs were getting undressed. And he felt that they were doing that for him. And I was like, well, what did you do? And he goes, well, I sat there and watched her. When someone has a sexual fantasy going on in their head, it's amazing how they actually develop what we call a subtext. 
And so when he sees an au pair through the bedroom and he interprets that as, she's exposing herself to me, she knows I'm watching, she likes it, I like it, she wants me. For Stephen, the line between fantasy and reality begins to blur. And with every new au pair, Stephen pushes the boundaries even further. Stephen would tell people that the au pairs were all kind of going after him, but it was later found out that the opposite was taking place. There was a hole found in their closet wall which adjoined the au pair's bedroom, and he could have been using that to peek through to watch the au pairs dress and undress. One of the au pairs later said that she felt she would hear things from behind the wall and felt kind of weird about that. Voyer loves the idea of watching somebody who doesn't know they're being watched. And there's a sexual nature to it. And there's really power, right? It is almost like a godly complex. I'm able to see everything, and no one's able to see that I'm watching them. In Stephen's au pair fantasy world, he's dominant and powerful. But in his own marriage, he can never get the upper hand. Tara worked for a global engineering group, and she was often called overseas. With Tara focusing on her career and family, she has little time or interest in satisfying Stephen. If she was excellent and successful and climbing the organization in her career, well, she didn't really have to think about the failures of her marriage at home. Tara's constant absence shows Stephen just how little he's needed or desired. Stephen gave me the impression that he wasn't real happy with Tara not being at home all the time. She was gone a lot with her job. So given his personality, he would need to find a different situation to help him experience himself differently. And the way that he chose to do that was by finding another woman. Fantasizing about the au pairs is no longer enough for Stephen, but he thinks he knows a woman who can give him what he wants. He emails an ex-girlfriend that he's kept in touch with through the years, but this time, he is not interested in just catching up. Stephen had been contacting an ex-girlfriend once a year for the 10 years after they had been broken up, but he kind of ramped that up in January of 2007. The emails became more sexual in nature. He was a little over the line flirtatious. The woman was a nurse and he said things such as, if you need to practice a sponge bath, you've got me to turn to. Those emails seem to me to be the type of email that a high school student would write, not even a college student, a high school student. But Stephen's flirtatious advances fall flat, and the sexually suggestive exchanges with his ex just fizzle out. And they never ultimately did meet. I believe maybe he was trying to test the waters. Stephen never pursues the affair with his ex-girlfriend. But in January of 2007, Stephen stumbles upon something that makes his flirtation pale in comparison. He becomes obsessed with the suspicion that Tara is cheating on him. There was one evening when Stephen had sort of snooped on the home computer and found this email. There was an email exchange between Tara and one of her old flames. It seems 
that Stephen started to believe that his wife was going to either leave the relationship or at least start having affairs outside of the marriage. I think, again, it was very emasculating. The more Stephen reads, the darker his thoughts become. I mean, just seeing that she had contact with other men, if he was feeling emasculated, he would feel insecure and threatened by any man she might have been having contact with. Though the emails contain no proof, they're enough to ignite Stephen's suspicions and send his confidence into a tailspin. Ultimately, with Steve, it's about the power and control. When you find out that your spouse is doing something behind your back, it very well could start to push you over the edge because it's blatant proof that you cannot control this other person. But he's got the perfect way to tip the scale back in his favor. And he's got the perfect girl to help him do it. In the winter of 2007, Grant begins to obsess over the family's latest au pair, a German 19-year-old named Verena. Verena is, in a word, just hot. She's a hot 19-year-old German girl living in their home. She's blonde. She's perky and friendly and bubbly. She's got a great smile. She was attractive and was very personable. It was like this perfect recipe for him to indulge in his fantasy. Stephen has been eyeing the au pairs for years, but now he has an excuse to do more than just look. Soon after she begins working for the grants, Stephen makes a very calculated move. He asks Verena to come and read the emails his wife has been writing to another man. The young au pair can tell the correspondence is clearly a private exchange, but she doesn't know what to say, just as Stephen intended. The idea that Steve is discovering these emails in front of Verena is part of the psychological seduction. He wanted to be able to paint Tara as the bad person in the relationship. He wanted to show Verena that he was a loving man who was scorned. Little does the teenage au pair know, Stephen Grant has spent years desiring and manipulating pretty young women. And she's his next target. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. It's January 2007. While wife and mother Tara Grant is away on business, stay-at-home dad Stephen Grant becomes obsessed with the suspicion that Tara is cheating on him. And now he set his sights on the family's latest au pair, 19-year-old blonde, beautiful Verena, so he can feel like the real man of the house. Verena hadn't been there that long. She'd only been there a few months. Verena was incredibly impressionable. For Stephen, the innocent Verena is the perfect antidote to his feelings of inadequacy. He wants the young au pair, and he's determined to do anything to get her. So it sounds like once Stephen had uh, sexualized Verena, this was something he planned to carry out. Stephen has almost complete access to the young girl working in his home, and he uses it to his advantage. Stephen courted Verena in the way that any 14-year-old boy would begin to court. He would look for moments where they could have an extra long stare. He talked a lot about her, how much he liked her. Stephen is very good at seducing. He knows how to make that flirtatious connection. He knows how to make women feel sexy and important. Eventually, the compliments became more overt, and he started actively telling her that he thought she was sexy. At first, the au pair laughs off Stephen's advances, taking it all as silly flirtation. But Stephen doesn't let up. Whenever Verena goes out, Stephen sends suggestive texts to keep up his courtship. One of the text messages he was sending to Verena is that he had an itch that needed to be scratched. And then later on, he would make allusions to the itch. And obviously the itch was sex. I believe that Steve was obsessed with her. But as things heat up between Stephen and Verena, his relationship with his wife, Tara, is rapidly deteriorating. She's away on business during the week, and weekends home are filled with bickering and accusations. Stephen and Tara's relationship started to crumble fast. I believe Tara was starting to have second thoughts and was had, for many years, discovered that the man she thought she was marrying wasn't him. It seems as winter 2007 is going on, Stephen is feeling more and more marginalized in the relationship. 
for the embittered Stephen, already paranoid his wife might be having an affair, the constant conflict only adds fuel to the fire. Clearly, Stephen was not feeling the way he wanted to feel in his marriage. He was getting to feel unnoticed, ignored, unsuccessful, and he couldn't handle it. And in order for Stephen to survive, he needed to counterbalance those uncomfortable feelings. And Stephen's most powerful distraction, Verena, is right in front of him. His intentions become clear. By late January of 2007, Stephen is no longer satisfied with simple flirtations. He had gone past any kind of reality, and he was going to have a relationship with this 19-year-old German au pair. One night, while the two are sitting on the couch, he makes a physically suggestive move and offers Verena a foot massage. Stephen is, again, very wise in how he goes about the whole seduction process. And contact is contact, right? So he has kind of an innocent sexuality where he's rubbing her feet, but he's making her feel good. And he's basically lowering her defenses. Stephen lets the intimate contact build into a romantic moment. He reaches in to kiss Verena. The young au pair doesn't pull away. That first kiss between Verena and Steve was really the point of no return. This was the final test. This is her last chance to push him away, and she doesn't do it. And now he feels completely validated in his fantasy. Even though they're excited from their first kiss, the two retire to their own rooms. But Steven is too exhilarated by his own boldness, and he needs to keep pushing boundaries. And later on, uh, he calls her into his bedroom, and he's standing there completely naked. The young au pair is stunned. By stripping himself naked, he is taking control over defining the relationship and what the relationship will be. He knew he was with this naive girl who was vulnerable. Seizing upon Verena's silence, Stephen tries to convince the girl of their intimate connection. He told her, well, we can have sex now since you've already seen me naked. It doesn't matter if we have sex. But that night, Verena says no, and Stephen goes to bed sexually stirred and frustrated. But he won't stay that way for long. On the night of February 8th, 2007, with Tara away on business, Stephen makes another play to win the 19-year-old au pair. He uses the last card up his sleeve. He just appeared in the doorway, and he told her, I love you. Verena probably felt that this was a very powerful, romantic moment for her. Everyone wants to be loved. I mean, that is the most powerful feeling one can have. It sounds like Verena had convinced herself that she was in love with this man. Seizing on the romantic moment, Stephen leads Verena into his bedroom. The two begin to undress. Stephen is the one who's teaching this naive au pair what the next step is. And for a man to be the teacher, the advisor, the seducer, it's a very masculine role. It sounds like Stephen is living out his fantasy. As they lie in bed, Stephen's seduction becomes intensely intimate. (sighs) 
Stephen ultimately performs oral sex on Rena in the marital bed. By Stephen performing oral sex on this girl, he's sending her the message, I just care about your pleasure. I'm not interested in my pleasure. It's not about me having sex with you. It's about me making you feel good. It kind of went along with the way that Stephen approached Freena from the very beginning. He was there for her. He was interested in her. He wins her over. He pulled off this ruse with a pretty young girl, and, and he won. He got her. After their passionate sexual tryst, the two spend the night in Stephen's bed. Stephen has finally won the heart and body of the young au pair. Now he's got this young girl in his thrall, and I believe that that made him feel like a man. I think he's feeling on top of the world. But that feeling only lasts for so long. Stephen's wife, Tara, is due home that very day. And the erotic dream Stephen and Verena are sharing is about to veer into a nightmare. If anybody had realized what was going on inside that household, I'm sure they could have figured out that it was all about to explode. It's February 9th, 2007. For weeks, Stephen Grant has been fantasizing over the 19-year-old au pair named Verena living in his home. She's become the perfect tool for Stephen to feel dominant. Once he got Verena in there, he zeroed in. She was what he wanted. I believe that Steve was obsessed with her. And after a number of attempts, Stephen has finally lured the young Verena into bed, the marital bed he normally shares with his wife, Tara. Just by virtue of Stephen being the boss, anything that happened with this girl, he was in control. She was the foreigner. She was the one who was vulnerable. She was the one who was dependent on him. She was living in his home. He was constructing this whole relationship. Meanwhile, thousands of miles away in Puerto Rico, Stephen's wife, Tara, is preparing to return home after a long week on the road. It sounds like Tara is avoiding. So family life or her marital relationship is really unpleasant. It's not a happy place to be. The more invested she was in her career, the less she had to worry about troubles in her marriage. And Stephen has escaped the reality of his marriage by starting an affair with Verena, the au pair. From Stephen's perspective, Tara doesn't know how to make him feel recognized or like a man. And Verena knows how to treat him like the stud he wants to feel. Verena was the perfect clay for Stephen to mold. And I believe he saw her more of somebody that he could manipulate. Stephen is kind of lost in his own fantasy world, where he can play act and fantasize that all he needs to do is choose a better wife and he's going to have a better life. There's only one problem. Stephen already has a wife, and she's on her way home. It's almost like two trains kind of coming together. Something had to happen here. To avoid any dramatic confrontation that day, Stephen gets Verena dressed and out of the house. Verena probably liked the idea of getting out of an awkward situation and clearing her head. 
I'm sure Verena feels very uncomfortable and vulnerable because it's not a pleasant situation to have then the wife come home. Later that afternoon, Verena gets a text from Stephen telling her Tara is home. The anxious teen can't help but feel that she's in over her head. The risk of this is actually hitting her hard. Can she act normal when Tara walks into the house? Or will Tara take one look at her and know the truth? That night, a nervous Verena returns to the house, wanting to see where things stand. Verena showed up about 11.30 and walked in to Stephen running down the stairs yelling, saying, uh, what the F are you doing home? Stunned by the aggressive greeting, the young au pair stops dead in her tracks. When Stephen sees it's Verena in the stairwell, he begins to backpedal, seemingly surprised to see her home. When he sees it's Verena, he's taken aback, and he tells Verena that he and Tara had this horrible fight, that she left in a huff. She just left. Stephen then launches into an emotional account of what happened while Verena was away from the house. Stephen initially told me that an argument developed because Tara indicated she was going to be literally turning right around and leaving within a matter of hours. He indicated that the argument became quite heated and that Tara called for a car. The last thing he saw of her was her leaving in a black sedan, a dark colored sedan, and he assumed she was headed for the airport. The explosive confrontation comes as a shock to the young au pair. Verena had known about the couple's marital problems, but she didn't know they were this bad. Stephen says Tara's leaving him. Suddenly, their lover's fantasy world is falling apart. A new and grimmer reality is about to set in. Stephen, Tara, and their au pair Verena are in the middle of a dangerous love triangle. And one of them will die a violent death because of it. Verena had no reason to suspect that she was living in a household where anything bad would happen, much less something as horrific as did. It's February 9th, 2007. After weeks of courtship, 37-year-old Stephen Grant has finally fulfilled his fantasy by luring his 19-year-old au pair, Verena, into his marital bed. But the following evening, reality comes crashing down. While Verena is out of the house, Stephen claims he and his wife, Tara, got into an explosive fight and Tara walked out. Now, stay-at-home dad Stephen is stay-at-home single dad. Verena, for her part, does what she can to comfort Stephen in the wreckage of his home life. I think at that point, Verena was starting to feel sorry for Stephen. Um, she felt that Tara had left him, and she was sort of showering him with sympathy. She continued to take care of the children, and she more and more began to fill a romantic role in uh, Stephen's life. And they spent the day together uh, hanging out, and, and she was consoling him. That night, Stephen was in bed, upset, naked, and Verena climbed into bed and consoled him. 
It sounds like Stephen and Verena are basically living like husband and wife. After five days, there's still no word from Tara. Stephen starts calling her boss and her family members, telling them, eh, it's not that big of a deal. I'm just letting you know. Tara hasn't uh, called, checking to see if she's touched in with you, and they said no. They're getting increasingly concerned. Stephen finally decides to alert the authorities. He files a missing persons report at the local sheriff's office. The hunt for Tara Grant is on. The sheriff's department, I think, was doing anything and everything that they could do to find Tara. They were questioning everybody she had contact with in her work. They were, I think, running down every possible lead. And with a missing persons report comes more bad news for Stephen. Rena's Opera agency was not at all comfortable with this uh, situation that was unfolding. There's a missing persons investigation going on. And so they actually removed her from the home and sent her back to Germany. I'm sure Stephen is very upset because he had grown very attached to Verena. Verena was the person who helped him feel masculine, helped him feel successful. With the search on for Tara Grant, local television and newspaper reporters swarmed to cover the story. This case garnered more media attention than probably any case in the last 10 years in Michigan. It was huge. It was, it was all over. All over the news, every day, on the internet. I know, it, it was huge. And at the center of this media circus is an unexpected star, Stephen Grant. So you want to be involved in the search Yes, farm? I asked. Um, I know the area well. Um, I, I mountain bike out there. I run out at Stony Creek all the time, and that's where they're looking. Stephen came across as being very sincerely upset about the disappearance with his wife, and uh, he portrayed those same sentiments uh, to the media. He had adjusted to that very well and, in fact, enjoyed that role. Just say something. Just tell us. Watch him say how he was missing. He would beg for her to come home. Call. Call me. Call the police. Call somebody. Just that he was just distraught that she was gone. But despite Stephen's emotional pleas, the search for Tara yields no new clues. As the days turn to weeks, hope begins to dwindle that Tara will ever be found. And as time passes, police begin to suspect foul play. I mean, who do you look for when a wife disappears or a husband disappears? You don't have to be a rocket scientist to first look at the spouse. And certainly there was speculation about his story. But without a search warrant, they're not allowed into the Grant home to look for any clues. Police really had nothing to go on. They were sort of following him around, and, and they kind of knew he wasn't being truthful. And so they're sort of at a dead end. Then, on February 28th, nearly three weeks after Tara's disappearance, investigators finally catch a break. A hiker in the woods near the Grant's house finds something. What was found was a plastic bag in the woods that contained plastic gloves, some metal shavings, and some blood. The investigators use the newly discovered pieces of evidence to get a search warrant for the Grant home. 
Police descend on the Grant home to search the house for any possible clues of Tara's whereabouts. Steve talked with the captain, who told him, we have a search warrant for your house. And so Stephen actually let them in. As the police begin their search, Stephen is asked to stay off the premises. There's no reason to detain him, so he went inside, got a leash, got his dog, went for a walk. Well, one of those TV crews already set up outside spotted him walking away, and he just looks over his shoulder casually and keeps going. Almost an hour later, police make a shocking discovery. While the evidence technicians searched the house, the detectives kind of gathered in the garage. And one of the detectives saw that one of the bins looked sort of out of place. He walks up to the bin and opens it, and he sees a plastic bag in there. And he kind of touched it, and it felt soft to the touch. And so he opened it, and he jumped back. That's when they realized what they had on their hands. Suddenly, it dawns on everyone at the scene. Tara Grant didn't run away. She's been home the whole time. I felt sick to my stomach. I couldn't believe that they actually had found that. Police have just discovered the most chilling kind of horror in the Grant's basement. It's Tara's body. And the man they believe is responsible for her death has just gone missing. He literally walked down the street and managed to get away from police. He's on the run. He's gone. February 2007, suburban Detroit. After an intensive three-week search for wife and mother Tara Grant, she's finally been found in the most gruesome way imaginable. Eventually during the search, they found Tara's torso in a large plastic container in the garage. Even the seasoned detectives on the force were completely shaken. Up until this point, they couldn't say that Tara had disappeared for any other reason than she wanted to go away. Now they've got a murder. The police have only one suspect, Stephen Grant, who up until hours ago was playing the role of the concerned husband. I believed everything the guy told me. And then to turn around and find out that all that was a lie. To make matters worse, investigators make another shocking discovery. Stephen Grant has disappeared. We see Stephen walking away with his dog. What happens after is he, he borrows a truck from a neighbor and he goes on the run. Stephen has an hour's head start before police realize he's missing. He could be anywhere. People were absolutely shocked. Nobody had expected that. It went from a huge story to an enormous story. Investigators begin to create roadblocks on all major highways, but locating one man in the hundreds of miles surrounding the crime scene is like finding a needle in a haystack. Then, the next morning, authorities catch an unexpected break in the manhunt. They receive a phone call with a major tip. At one point Saturday, Stephen had called his sister, and she then called the police and told him where he might be headed which was actually the site of Stephen and Tara's first getaway. 
a cabin up north in the scenic woods. Within the hour, local authorities descend upon the park. As they comb through the thick wood, they get one last incredible shock. They spot Stephen sitting upright against a tree. He's close to death from exposure after being outdoors in the harsh winter elements. When the police found him, he had his shoes off and his, he didn't have his coat on, and he was basically disoriented. All the hallmarks of somebody who's suffering from hypothermia. Stevens quickly transported to a local hospital where he receives medical attention while under armed guard. Once he got to the hospital and once, you know, he sort of calmed down and he got his faculties about him, he wanted to talk. And uh, that's when he gave his confession. For the next two hours, Stephen outlines what happened that fateful night and his role in the gruesome brutality of Tara's death. It begins with an argument Tara and Stephen were having the night she got home. When Tara got home, they continued their argument, which they had been having on and off all day about her leaving and her travel. And she told him that she was going to have to leave early. And that was the flashpoint. In a fit of anger, Stephen accuses Tara of abandoning her family. Offended, Tara slaps him for the outburst, and Stephen retaliates. All his rage flashes into physical violence now. He hit her back, knocked her down, and as she's sitting on the floor, she looks up at him and says, you hit me, you know, I, I'm gonna leave you. Suddenly, Stephen realizes what he's done. If Tara won't be his wife, she won't be allowed to live. He was losing his meal ticket. He was losing his wife. And that's when he went for the throat. Maybe, I, I'm not a psychologist, but maybe part of that was ego. Her being the breadwinner, him being Mr. Mom. It takes a good two and a half minutes after somebody loses consciousness for them to actually be choked to death. And if you think about standing over the lifeless body of your significant other, two and a half minutes is a really long time. When Tara finally stops struggling, Stephen releases her still lifeless body. In the quiet of that moment, he realizes the enormity of what he's done and what he needs to do next. At this point, once she's dead, I think his number one concern is getting away with it. Stephen hides Tara's body before Verena gets home. For the next 24 hours, Stephen goes about his day, including sharing his bed with Verena. Then, late that night, he carries out the next part of a gruesome plan. He drives to his dad's tool and die shop, where he knows he'll find the proper tools. He realizes he needs to make her body more manageable. So he uses the equipment in the tool and die shop to dismember her. And he had brought along a bottle of whiskey to sort of help steal him for this job he had to do. He succeeds eventually in, in cutting her up into 14 pieces. I was shocked to find out that he was, you know, he had the capability of doing something like that. Once the body has been dismembered, Stephen has to figure out where he'll put the pieces and how he'll carry them. From there, he gets his children's winter sled, 
loads up the body parts in the middle of the night and uses the sled to more easily disperse the pieces throughout the neighborhood park. Stephen scatters the pieces throughout the woods nearby. He places the torso in a plastic bin in his garage. The same bin that police would find three weeks later. It's unthinkable. It's literally unthinkable that somebody could do that and then get on with their life. I can't imagine how you could then go and hang out with your kids, go to work, stop in the bar and have a drink and joke and all that. I can't fathom how you can put that out of your mind that you just did this, but he apparently was able to do it. Now, having given a full confession, Stephen is placed under arrest and charged with the murder of his wife. In the ensuing trial, Grant is placed in the spotlight once again. This time, not as a distraught husband, but as a monstrous killer. For many in the courtroom, it's a fitting venue to expose Stephen's true character. Stephen appears to be narcissistic. He only seemed to care about himself, and that was what guided everything he did. Selfishness and sort of a childlike, me, 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 what about me? Irrespective of how it affected anybody else. During the trial, the young au pair Verena, newly back from Germany, agrees to testify. Verena said she'd been really smitten uh, with him and that she believed him when he said he had nothing to do with Tara's disappearance. All of those things were brought together to paint a picture of a man who, who was unhinged. At the close of the trial, Stephen Grant is found guilty of second-degree murder. But while justice is served, the scars of Stephen's crime remain. Tara deserved a better life, and she was working really hard to make sure that she got one, not just for herself, but for her two kids. I mean, she was 34 years old, and she had already accomplished so much and was a loving mother. So she had a lot more time left that was stolen from her. 